0: Amen, amen. I'm not going kind to of have a PowerPoint because I just kind of want to share from my heart just the next few moments. And uh, I, 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 titled, I titled my message this, this way because it's based on a, a little story I want to read to you here briefly. But I titled my message, it wasn't supposed to be this way. And this is the point I want you to get. If you get anything what I'm going to say today, here's the one thing. So you, if you want to keep it, you have to write it down or you have to go download the podcast later and listen to it. And it's this God owes us nothing, but gives us everything. And that right there is a revelation. And we're at this pastor's conference, and uh, national speakers from all over the country are there. Uh, the church has forty thousand members in eighteen different campuses. Uh, this pastor is the real deal. He's not driving around in a Lamborghini. Come on now, you know, and he's yeah. he's the real deal, all right. And has raised his kids the best way he knew how, and to serve the Lord and just love God, whatever they would do. And and last fall he went through a major crisis in his family. Major crisis. And so we knew that. And uh, my daughter who was a graduate of that college, she knew that too. And and and, and, yeah I kinda wonder when you when you have a little bit of inside information, he's like, how are they gonna respond? And you know, so here's this big conference and everyone's hoopla and the best lights, smoke and mirrors, all of that. I mean and and God's there, I mean tremendous anointing and and he opens up the Conference and he gives a shout out to everyone, and his first words out of his mouth were, God owes you nothing. And I thought, what a strange thing to say in front of you know six thousand pastors. But the truth of the matter is that mindset, I believe, brought him through that tremendous difficulty that he went through and is going through. And so with that, I just want to read you this story. It's, I'm just relating about what a pastor wrote. Um, and <clears throat> he writes about a church member that he hadn't seen in a while. And so he says, they hadn't been in church for a while, so I, so I gave the husband a call. Hey, brother, how you doing? Haven't seen you guys in a while. Is everything okay? After a, a couple of uncomfortable seconds, the man said, well, we probably won't be coming back to church. Are you serious? Really? Why? Have I done something to offend you? No. You see, Pastor, it wasn't supposed to be this way. Then he relates, we did everything we were supposed to do. We taught our children the Bible. We took them to church. We told them about Jesus. We prayed for them. And then my son winds up getting a girl pregnant, having to get married. It just wasn't supposed to be this way, Pastor. Pastor. Then the pastor relates that he felt really sad for this man and his family. And he, and he, he writes, he said, I felt really sad that the man also had the expectations, watch this, of God he did. And that he obeyed God for the reasons he did. That's what I want to talk to you about this morning. What is the reasons why we do what we do? Why we come to church, why we worship? You know, I know it's true. How many of you know that there are tremendous, precious promises, new covenant promises in the Bible? Can I get an amen? Over eight thousand eight hundred eighty-six. That we can, that we are to claim these precious promises. That we are to uh, appropriate them through faith. The scripture says. I mean, just a few of them. God empowers us to overcome the enemy. First John five four. You can say amen after that. Okay, we have his delegated authority over demons and disease, Mark 16, 17. Amen. We live under his divine protection, Luke 10, 19. Precious promises that God has given. We are destined to reign in life, Romans 5, 17. Somebody say amen. But watch this. God doesn't promise us a trial-free life if we obey him we're still going to have difficulty even as we obey. C- can I get an amen? Some of you are like, well, I don't, uh, that jars me a little bit past that. Let me tell you about a person that lived in 100% obedience, never screwed up one time. Some of you look at me like, huh, Jesus Christ, and he was brutally betrayed, beaten, and nailed to a cross. Are you with me? And that's 100% obedient. So I, don't, I know I'm never 100% obedient. Wow. What are you trying to say, Pastor? That was God's only son. God doesn't promise us that if we keep his commands, that he's going to reward us. You know, country club memberships, cruises, all these wonderful things. And how I many know, though, that there are blessings that are there? I'm talking about our motives when the going gets rough, when the rubber meets the road, when the difficulties that every single one of you will face if you haven't. You know, and I started in ministry at the wonderful pastor, Pastor Steve Cornamone in Ashby and... um, I came out of the Marine Corps, and, and I felt the call of God to, to go into ministry, and I went to Christ of the Nations, and, and then furthered my education in the Minnesota Graduate School of Theology, and, and I was just ready to go, and I just remember starting in that church, and it was September, uh, no, excuse me, it was August 1st, 1993, so how do you know that? Because Pastor Steve showed up, it was a Monday, nobody was there, and he kind of came and opened the door, and, and, and he said, well, here's the office, and there was nothing in it. There was no, no desk, no table, no nothing. And he said, well, let's go find a desk for you. And so we found a desk and we put it down. And he said, well, let's get a chair for you. Put a chair down. And I said, oh, and i never even been part of youth ministry. I didn't even know. I remember telling my wife when we moved from Boston, what do they do in youth ministry? <laughs> what do you tell them? You know, I, I didn't go to school for that. And so I sat down and he handed me a sheet. He says, um, yeah, here's the names of about 15 kids that come to youth. See ya. I hit my knees, I started praying, God help me, God help me. But I had this tremendous expectation. How, how many of you know that that's just, that's God God gives us that for seasons in our life, right? Well, let me break it down. How many of you are in, you're in the kid, kid raising season right now, little kids and all that? You got grace for that. Talk to someone that's in their 50s and 60s and say, would you want to do this all over again? I guarantee you, there's no way. <laughs> you know, I love grandkids. Here you go, take them back. I don't have the grace. Just grace for seasons well the season i was in it was just exciting and i was just like whoa in ministry i want to see supernatural things and we had one difficult horrific situation after another over a period of seven years to the point which all oh, the they struggled financially in the 90s at church just for a season where he didn't even receive a salary just so the staff would have it what do you do in those situations And then you start asking, what's up with this, God? I mean, I just thought, you know, because I said I'm going to follow you my whole life and give you my life, God's going to fall off the throne and fall down and go, wow! Come on, I'm talking about perspective here in ministry. Come on, mature Christians, can I get an amen? You know, the Word of Faith teaching, and I cut my teeth on that spiritually growing up. Uh, tremendous truth in it. Uh, I think a lot of the stuff that was taken from it and ran with it, there's error with that. There's error in all new revelations of God. And, but, but one of the things that they did not have was a theology for suffering. And I don't, I don't like talking about suffering. Actually, I just wanted to get the word out. I hate suffering. I hate it. But we all suffer at times. I remember the story, follow along with me, in Luke chapter 15, the prodigal son. And we we know the story about the prodigal son and what he did and how he came to his senses. The father loved him, but there's also the other story of the elder brother. Can you just say elder elder brother? The elder brother. Say, what do you mean, Pastor Mike? He had expectations of his father that tripped him up. And in Luke 15, verse 28, we see that the elder brother, he became angry. Not only just became angry, he became furious. And his words were actually like dripping resentment when the father kills the fatted calf and just brings a big party from his son who just squandered all of his inheritance living with prostitutes and drug addicts and alcoholics and, you know, just, and he lost it all. He's eating pig food. And, and now the son who did everything right who followed his dad was a good son that stayed in the home and did, you know, the honorable thing and didn't squander, was, was responsible, got up, get to work, you know, you made, made sure things were done. That son was filled with resentment. Why? He had expectations. He had expectations. See, the elder brother's spirit, you know, it's so easy for us to be overcome with that in our lives. Amen? So easy. You know, the first sign that you have an elder brother spirit is that when your life doesn't go as you want, you aren't just sad, but you're deeply angry and bitter. I've been there. I'm just going to be honest with you. I've been there. God, hello. I'm serving you here. I mean, I've given you my life. How come we're not in our new building right now? Hello? I mean, how many times do I have to, you know, look and change and and do this and that? Uh, Hello? How come this isn't working out? Why did this happen? I I don't get... Hello? Come on. Are you out there this morning? All right. I think I'm speaking to the right people. See, he was deeply angry. He was bitter. And, you know, elder, kind of that spirit, that elder brothers, they believe that if you, if you watch this, live a good life, they should get a good life. Now, as a Christian, I accept and receive all the good life that God has for you. How many of you know that God desires to give us a good life, but not without suffering? Just want a <laughs> life-giving way. Hey, <laughs> thanks, Pastor. Glad I came to church in this sunny morning. <clears throat> God loves you, amen? He loves us too much to keep us in the state that we're at, all right? And he sent this crazy Italian to tell you that. So, it even gets better. It gets better, you ready? Not only God does not owe us easy lives, but He promises that at times we will suffer. The Bible says, "Arm yourself with this. Why should I arm myself? Because when we don't, we get disillusioned. We get angry. We have the elder brother spirit I gave in that offering, and, and I did a sacrificial thing. And now, now, you know, my car broke down, and you know I, my wife backed into the garage door and broke this and, or killed the cat, or whatever it may be. That's actually happened in our home. <clears throat> Accidentally. Watch this, Psalms thirty four nineteen. Many, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. You know, I looked up the Hebrew word for affliction. It actually, it actually means this. You ready? Evil, misery, distress, injury, yuck. I don't, I don't want that. It comes actually from a root word, which in the Hebrew is raw, which means to be so bad, badness, to be so evil, naughtiness, sadness, sorrow, wickedness, but God delivers them out of them all. What does that mean? God will deliver you out of all of those afflictions. Did you hear that? But we first, at times, need to go through some of them. Wow, I don't like that, but... I say, well, Pastor, that's Old Testament, you know, Old Covenant. We're into the New Covenant now. Right on. I got some New Testament verses for that, too. First Peter 1, 6. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while. Someone shout a little while. It's not forever. Come on now. It's a little while. It's not all this. People that are saying, I'm constantly suffering and going through the whole life of suffering, suffering, maybe we need to do a wake-up call here. See what's going on. Amen. <clears throat> but it says that for a little while and then it even adds if necessary. So whatever that creates that necess- if necessary in my life, I don't want to do it. Can I get it amen? <laughs> I don't want that. But sometimes it's necessary. I mean, you know, we men we can be fat heads. Isn't that right? We could be prideful, stubborn. That's sometimes God says, oh, it's necessary. <laughs> you didn't been treating your wife right. Oh, it's necessary. You gotta go through some things here. You kind of brought it on yourself, but preach, Pastor Mike. I believe I will. <laughs> First Peter 1, 6. If necessary, you have been what? Grieved by various trials. I happen to look up that Greek word in the New Testament. Actually it means to be vexed. Has anyone ever been vexed? Some of you are shaking your head like, I'm vexed right now, Pastor. Vexed, that's what that word means. It means deep grief, to experience deep emotional pain, sadness. What it means, severe sorrow, hurt, distress. This word is very intense, and hence, even used of the pain of childbirth. Now, I don't understand that, but I know it's like being in the room when your wife is giving birth and you say the wrong thing at at that time. I there's some pain there, all right. (laughs) Grieved at times, if necessary. Watch this, James 1, 2, it says, count it all joy. Yeah, right, okay, James. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. And actually this word phrase, when you meet, means whenever to fall around many colored. Did you get that? Whenever, to fall around many-colored, when you meet at any given time, a situation may arise, and it's many-colored, you're going to meet what? Trials, which means an experiment, a temptation, an enticement to sin. Some of you have been beating yourself up because you just think, oh, I should have, you know, uh, my mind should be 100% clear, and I, I should have no temptations. Jesus was tempted in all points, but he didn't give in. He lived a life that he said, you can live this through the power of the Spirit of God. Can I get an amen? When you meet trials, pyrosmos in the Greek. You know, I love that. I think it was a 1980s song. I know it's going to date me, and I can't sing, but I'm going to just do a first verse here. I remember the song, I'm a new creation, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Come on. I'm a new creation. I'm a brand new man. Old things are passed away. All things are... Oh, anyhow. (laughs) I believe that. We used to seeing that. And and, you know, like and there was a season of the body of Christ. We're looking at all of the New Testament promises which we need, but we forgot about that part of I'm a new creation, but there's some difficulty, there's some suffering, there's some pain that comes with that. And that does not hear me, hear me. That does not mean you have missed God. Does not mean that you are weak in your faith because you're going through something. Some of the strongest people I know that have suffered tremendous suffering and and, and just in life, they are some of the most spiritual people. Spiritual people we know. You know, here's the thing. We should not be amazed that we suffer from time to time. We should be amazed that we don't suffer more than we do. Amen, Pastor. See, if God watches, I, I, I believe this. If God, if you see how much Satan hates his creation, and the extent he goes day in and day out without rest to destroy you, you and our, our lives, constantly. How much Satan hates because you are the, made in the image and likeness of God, and you are precious. Your fingerprint is the only one in all of seven plus billion people. You are unique. Unique. How much he hates us. That if God totally watches, lifted his hand of protection off of your life, totally, Lifted his hand, Satan would immediately crush you to death. Immediately, take you out, and take you to hell, to torture you. Immediately. Why? You know, you got to think for a minute here. You know, how many of you know before Christ came into your life? Do you remember that time before you were saved? Maybe if you knew the Lord, how many of you know that that we all deserve to burn in hell forever? Just I just wanted to throw that out. I hope oh, Pastor, that's harsh. That's the truth. That's the fact. How much he has saved us. How much he's done for us. In that alone, salvation make us rejoice every single day of our life, no matter what trial we have. And go, I thank you, God, for salvation. I'm born. I will get through this someday. I'm going to die go to heaven and live victorious in heaven. But we can still live victorious down here. Can I get an amen? amen. <clears throat> Hallelujah. Con it all joy. I don't at times, Pastor. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. When I think about this, And I think of the state before Christ. It helps me, watch it, keep things in perspective for myself. Why? When I'm tempted to complain about the evil, about the misery, about the betrayal, about the hurt, about the pain. Come on, about the distress, the injury I may be experiencing. You know, I think about this. I shared this one time, Pastor Steve and I, we were talking, we were kind of, kind of laughing, talking about heaven, we were with Peter Mel, the missionary, who's, who's with the Lord, and, and I was actually in Ukraine, and we were just kind of talking about ministry, and in heaven, and, and, and who you're going to see, and, and, and just the thought came to me, I was like, man, I feel like I have a Burger King crown, how many of you have been to Burger King when you were a kid, and you have that little paper crown, yeah, you saw. You know, some of you wore it. You know, and you save it. You kind of run around. You know, not, not, about between six to about nine years old is for kids. Boys, that just you know they do crazy things. They think they're Batman. They're th- you know, <clears throat> and I said, you know, I think I think when I get to heaven, am I going to get a Burger King crown? Well, oh, Pastor, you know, crown of salvation. Crown, yes, there are. But how? What will you say? To a first century Christian, come on now, follow with me, that lost his family, the Romans came in, ripped him out, threw him in the Colosseum with lions, and they ripped him to shred. And some of your family members, they took and they rolled in barbed wire. And then they threw manure on you and let you rot, that the worms would eat you to death in pain. Or what Nero did to some of them that'll be in heaven, that he impaled them and put them on torches and lit them to light his garden that he walked at night. All the Christians. What do you say to that? You know, Pastor was loud this morning. That back parking lot is a mess. When are we getting out of come on, can I get an amen? Are you with me? It changes your perspective when you see things what people have gone through. Every day I've lost. I've lost this, that. You have no idea the pain. You're not minimizing it. I'm just just talking about perspective. I'm almost done. Hallelujah. What do you say to them? What do you say? You say, okay, Pastor Mike, when is it appropriate to say it wasn't supposed to be this way when something good happens? Why? Because I was a sinner saved by grace. I was an alcoholic. I was a drug addict. I may be a prostitute or maybe a whoremonger or a drug addict. Maybe I was a gambler. I was a gossip. I was a liar. But he still, he still has blessed me. He still is blessing me. I know my kids may be running crazy right now, but God is good. He still has helped me. He's carried me along when I lost everything. I lost my house, lost my job, and now he's blessed me. God's doing something here this morning. He's changing our perspective. See, this is is what he's dealing with me, to be thankful in all things with gratitude. But, but, But you don't understand. Watch this. I'm going to share a scripture here. Let me just say this. Let's not, church, obey God thinking he owes us. Come on now. For God owes no one anything. Let's serve him out of gratitude for all he's done for you and because you love him and serve him because he's worthy. He's worthy of our worship. He's worthy of our praise. He's worthy of honor and glory because he's God. Wow. Thank you. You know, many people spend their lives trying to get God to owe them something. Salvation, blessings, answered prayer. But you know in Job 41:11, great verse, should have it pinned on your mirror in the morning or refrigerator, it says as we find God stating an important principle. He doesn't owe anybody anything. Watch this, he says this, God's addressing Job after 37 chapters of complaints and Job and his three friends and they give counsel and all of this and, jo- and God interrupts in Job 41, 11. He says, hey, who has given to me, now this is God speaking, who has given to me that I should repay him? What have we done that somehow God owes us anything? Wow, question mark. <laughs> he, goes on, he goes on to say this, whatever is under the whole heaven is mine. I I gotta look that up and see what that means. Actually, a couple other translations say this. Who confronted me that I should repay him? Who has given me anything that I need to pay back? Everything under heaven is mine. He goes on to say, I am in command of the world and in debt to no one. Job was a man that the scripture writes, God says about Job, if I find all these reasons, he was this, he had fear, he you know, he he'd give an offering every morning. God said he is a righteous man, and he is, he is upright. He went through all that. I think God's just showing us a little bit, seeing our, his heart through all of this. God doesn't owe us anything, but he gives us Everything. Isn't that right? He gives us everything. See, no one has given anything to him which would cause him that he has to repay. Nothing. Nothing. You say, well, people are doing that. You know, yeah, people do that. Some people, some people think that, well, you know, I gave something to the church, a charity, and God is now under obligation. You know, I mean, I give you shall receive. That's the truth. That's a principle. And when you give, you do receive because God's a giver. But I'm talking about the posture and the attitude of our heart, Church. Amen. Amen. The, the the motivation behind our faith, and it's this: God doesn't owe us anything, but He gives us everything. Wow. Sometimes you you know get this feeling that you know you put Him under an obligation. Something particular back. Husband, wife, opportunity, home, new, new job, new car. <clears throat> Make them rich. Bless them in some way. Can't you see God? I mean, <clears throat> I've been praying. I've been asking. I mean, what's up? We get angry. We have that elder brother spirit that can creep in upon us. And God is saying, I'm here today to heal you of that and break that. You know, David said in 1 Chronicles twenty nine fourteen. he said, but who am I? David, says, and who are my people that we could give anything to you? Talking about the Lord. He goes on to say this everything, watch this, I will slow down. Everything we have has come from you, David says. And we give you only what you first gave us. Do you know what that means? See, that's why tithing is beautiful. Tithing is brilliant. Do you know why? You know what it acknowledges? It acknowledges because. When we give 10% of, a, and, I, and I, I actually wrote this down. I said, when we give 10% of our income, and I crossed it out, when we give 10% of his income that he gave us to give back to him. Oh yeah, I know people that think, like, ah, oh, this is my money. In one day, you can lose it all. Yeah. Everything. Well, my 403B or 401K, you know, I got property and land. You can lose it all. You can lose your health in one day. Negative report. See, it brings a perspective here. God owns everything. Everything. And we are just to be good stewards. And we give back what he has given us. And he isn't saying, I want 90%. I just want 10%. That's all so I can continue to further my kingdom and my purposes. And if you choose not to do that, then, you know, that's your choice. It's fine. But I will bless those that bless. Wow. Wow. God owns it all. I'm almost done. <clears throat> so no matter how much we give God, God doesn't owe us anything. You know, even when I think about our deeds, and this is kind of, kind of a struggle with a little bit here, and, and God had to, to rebuke some things in my life and align my heart, you know, whatever we do for God, and I've just, you know, devoted my life to, to serve the Lord. It started in the Marine Corps and even before the Marine Corps and then in Bible school, and I remember, I shared this before at Christ of the Nations, before I even my first year there, uh, <clears throat> I went out back to the track and I went to the woods and and I just cried out to the Lord. I said, Lord, I'm I give you, I'm sharing this for a purpose. I, I give you my life in, in the humor of God too. And, and I just devoted my life in you know, that you would just use me however you want. And and I just was crying out and the Lord just said, shut up, get up. And I wouldn't listen. No, God, no. And I just, you know, he said, shut up, get up. And finally, I found out I was laying in a poison ivy patch. Yes, you can imagine the next two weeks. God was saying, all right, shut up, get up. You know, you don't know what you're doing here. But I, I love your heart, son. Amen. He sees our heart. He sees our heart, and if we spend all of our time and days for him, why? Because it comes from a life and strength that he has given us, amen? And that is only rightful, our natural response to give back to him. The bottom line, line is this, we may have people that owe us something, but, but God reminds us here in Job 41.11 that he is not one of them. Stand with me if you would, please. Hallelujah! God owes us nothing, but He gives us everything. Isn't that true? He's a giver. You can't outgive God, no matter what. I'll share a couple of illustrations, and I'll close here. And this is kind of comical and funny, and it's kind of humiliating. So, but I'm just going to tell you, anyways. As I was wrestling with all this because I got caught up in this. I got caught up in the elder brother thing. Come on, come on, God, you you know. Am I the only one here that kind of? All right, thank you, okay. <clears throat> and, and it's like, you know, what's the deal? I'm serving you here. And, and so I needed, a, I needed to find a, on everything else I'm dealing with, I needed to find a car for my daughter, Destiny. And she's driving, car now's hitting 300,000. But God's kept it together. I thought it would last two years it lasted seven. Because she's a woman of God. <laughs> she's holding that together. But it's time. <laughs> okay? And I have been racking my brain. I mean, you know, I asked Chad one time, and Chad goes, I hate shopping for used cars. I understand why. It's tough to get a decent car with low miles, come on now, that doesn't look like somebody went through with a, you know, a knife and tore the whole thing up. And go, yeah, man, it's great to find a decent used car, reasonable. For two months, I'm looking. I felt like the Geico ad where the guy's standing there and the wife comes in. I was gonna go to Florida. I was gonna go to Houston. I, was, I had vehicles everywhere. This one's a good deal and that, that one, I mean, it may be, and so I'm making offers. In my app, just saying, all right, you want 8,500. Would you take 7,500? I mean, I had like 12 of these things out. No, that's it. I'm firm. You a, yes, I'll accept it. Oh, but it's going to cost me more to fly down. How many hear what I'm saying? <clears throat> so I was frustrated. And here's what I was like: God, why don't you help me? Come on. I know. I wish I was more spiritual as a pastor. I'm really not. I'm sorry. <laughs> There's people in here, you're way more spiritual than me. <clears throat> and that's the truth. And, and, and I just, uh, the other day I just came in here and I just was mulling over this message and, and I just walked into the sanctuary and I just, I began to weep. I just broke down. And I sobbed. I just was like, it wasn't like you had to work it out. It just, how many hear what I'm saying? When God comes on you, just, what is this? And the Lord was saying, you recognize that. And I just began to cry. I kneeled right here, just at this altar and I just began to cry. I said, God, you don't owe me anything that you give me everything. And as I got up, finished my message and went out, and he said, why don't you go drive near this, half a mile away, there's this little used car place on the side of the road. Pulled in, and there was the car for destiny. 35,000 miles on it, beautiful interior. Very reasonable price. The guy goes, I'm driving it now for the next month. (laughs) See, God owes us nothing. But he gives us everything. When he knows he has a heart. And we serve him with a heart of gratitude. My wife and I were out working out. And my wife goes, oh, that's so-and-so. The elder lady in her 80s. She walks over to her, and I said, well, who is she? she? said, she was, grew up in our, you know, she was a neighbor, and what, oh, she, and you said this, you said, she is the sweetest, kindest lady you ever know. Isn't that right? So she walks over, and she's actually in a wheelchair, but she's on a bike, and she has a little wheelchair next to her, and she's, and she goes, this is Rhonda, and she goes, oh, you know, smile, and smiling, all that. I haven't, seen, I probably haven't seen her for eight, ten years, maybe, even longer, and, uh, and then I, I just thought, well, you know, just a reuniting of, and I said, tell me this lady's story. She goes, oh, we remember in the Kensington area. I said, well, when, I was ki- when we were kids, her husband died suddenly for some reason. She was young. And she had a seven-year-old daughter, her first, her first child. She was driving the car and got in an accident. Her seven-year-old daughter was killed. She had black, black hair, Rhonda said. The next morning she woke up, it was white and gray in one night. Then she went and served at the church. And so whether she worked at the church or served at the church, or she was at church, I don't know the full story, but she went to church. Her house burned to the ground. All of her keepsake, pictures, photos, come on now, gifts from people, things you cannot replace. Burnt. Rhonda said that Her mom told her about it and they just surrounded her. People were constantly on watch with her. It's like, you you, you can make it, encourage you, you you, you can make it. They would find photos that maybe some of her kids were in when they were little and got it to her and gave it to her. So here's this woman, 80 years old, plus, full of the love of God, lost everything. God owes us nothing, but he gives us everything. Heavy head bowed. Maybe we can get Sam up here and Curtis. Jesus. I've got a, actually, I have a video. A video. Um, I'm going to pray here and then we're going to show a video as we conclude. But I want to just say this gratitude begins when my sense of entitlement ends. Gratitude begins when my sense of entitlement ends. God owes us nothing. But he gives us everything. <laughs> You're here this morning. And you say, Pastor, yeah, I've been tempted to complain. <clears throat> I've get gotten caught up and talked about the elder brother. Yeah. Have these things. Maybe haven't even vocalized them. But I feel it inside. it's, it's caused me to it's caused me to separate from reading my word. A little bit more distant now. And, I've kind of been kind of laxed in church and just because I'm, I'm agonizing over something and, and you know, you, you haven't come through God and things haven't been happening properly in my relationship with my husband or my wife or my kids wayward and acting crazy and I did everything I knew to do and hallelujah. You're here this morning. You don't know the Lord. This altar call, as I just talked about, is for you. Hallelujah. So, Pastor, I, I'm not, I don't have that assurance of salvation. The scripture says now's the time, today's the day. You can receive Christ. You're not joining this church, but you're joining the family of God. That's you here this morning. Let's pray corporately. And those watching by television, as we Pray the, the Bible talks as the sinner's prayer to receive eternal life. Say this with me. Say, Jesus, I give you my life. Take it. I believe you died on the cross for my sin. Jesus, save me. Fill me with your spirit. Thank you for forgiving me. In Jesus' name. Amen for joining us today in the ministry of God's Word. My prayer today is that you will experience a new revelation of who Christ is in you. Feel free to make as many copies of this message as you like. For more information about Church for the Harvest scheduled ministry times in meeting place, please visit us at churchfortheharvest.com or contact the church office at 320-759-1400. At Church for the Harvest, you belong.